0: Fantasy football today from CBS Sports. Here we go! Email us at fantasyfootball at CBSI.com. Here we go! It's time to dominate your fantasy league. Let's go! Now, here's some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie,
1: and Heath. Hey, did you know that Carolina was second in the NFL in pass attempts, but 20th in passing yards, and second to last in passing touchdowns? Imagine! What DJ Moore could do with a better quarterback. And can you believe you can get him in the fourth round right now? Did you know that in his 12 starts, Daniel Jones was on pace for 4,013 passing yards with 32 touchdown passes? That would have been a rookie record. Uh, But also 16 interceptions. And guess how many fumbles, guys? Guess how many fumbles Daniel Jones was on pace for in his 12 starts?
2: 137.
0: (laughs) (laughs) A more realistic answer is probably going to be like 16.
1: 23, the old the old MJ, 23 fumbles in his 16 starts. Ah. Uh, just a couple players we're going to be talking about today as we look at early ADP and the best values that we see. And did you also know that I am embarrassed for you guys, by you guys, for not getting the road trip reference in the emails on Monday's show? It was pathetic. And now I know how it feels when we don't get a reference and people are sitting there, Listening and screaming at their speaker or their phone, going road trip. It's road trip. Ben Schrager, I think, had to come in and save the day. Thank you, Schraggy B.
2: Just doing my best.
1: Did you know that, or did you have to look it up? Oh, I had to look
0: that up for sure. Oh, you've never seen. He, road he trip. probably has never seen yeah. Road Trip because <laughs> it came out before he was born. Yeah, no chance.
1: Uh, I'm going to throw a name out to you, Ben Schrager. Tell me if you know who this person is. Tom Green.
2: Tom Green, like. A golfer?
0: I don't have no idea. Yeah, he was in Road Trip.
1: He <laughs> was extremely popular uh, once upon a time. And he's the one who said, Awesome. My bum is
0: on the rail. My bum is on the rail. Yeah,
1: exactly. Look well, it, it's good to be back, guys. It. I missed y'all. And ben, ben Gretsch is back, too. He took a week off as well.
2: Whew, to be I, Tom Green is such a, a throwback name I remember like back in the TRL days when he um, yeah like he that song like got like number one on TRL and then he like retired it it's like the one thing I remember from that show is like this moment he was like live and they he got number one one you know whatever yeah oh, he, Tom Green I, it what, was a <laughs> funny a show callback. The I Green just show. assume
0: anything from 2013 or before Ben Trager has no idea what it is <laughs> <laughs> Unless it's baseball related. I, I have a feeling he knows his baseball history really well.
1: That's funny. That could be a fun game. Let's, we'll find some early 2000s pop pop culture trivia and see how bad TRL?
0: Do you know what TRL is? Oh, yeah. TRL. No. No.
2: <laughs> That's
0: bad. <laughs> I barely know what it is. I'm so old. And he's too young.
1: Well, we're going to talk <laughs> fantasy football. We looked at uh, early PPR, average draft position on fantasy football calculator. Some really surprising stuff. And... Dave, Ben, and Jamie, actually, was supposed to be on today's show, picked out a quarterback, two running backs, two wide receivers, and a tight end. Uh, the best, or at least some of the best, early quarterback values. So we'll get into that. I want to talk about surprising ADP, though, and just a few things I noticed. How about in PPR, Derrick Henry and Josh Jacobs are RBs 5 and 6 in PPR. Derrick Henry, RB 5, Josh Jacobs, RB 6. Uh, that, that took me by surprise in full PPR.
0: I get Henry being up there high because he had the huge year last year and people are going to overlook the, the workload and the lack of catches. I, I don't know if they should overlook it, but I think that he's going to be he and Lamar Jackson will be like two consensus early picks that we're just not going to agree with. Um, especially in PPR. Jacobs is really weird because he had a good year last year. There's no doubt. And I think people are expecting him to progress in his second year, but so many more um, potential running backs there that can take work away from him. And I I really shouldn't say running backs, just people because they added a bunch of receivers too. So I'm, I'm really not sure of that. I hope when I get to my drafts in August and September, that people are taking Jacobs in round one, because that'll mean somebody special will fall to me.
1: Okay, yeah. And Derrick Henry was RB3, I believe, in PPR last year. Um, actually, RB5. I have it as McCaffrey 1, Jones, Zeke, Eckler, Henry. I have to double-check on that. But uh, he was 2 in non-PPR. But yeah, I just I don't know. They caught me by surprise. Ben, some surprising wide receiver ADP. How about DeAndre Hopkins is wide receiver 2? How ah, about that?
2: Yeah, that's surprising for me too. I mean, it, we, you always have to consider source, and, and this is one source. There's there's different sources. I, I think like Josh Jacobs is a good example because I think there's a lot of places where he's not going quite that high. But um, yeah, I, I agree with those running backs, and I agree with with uh, Hopkins as well. I have him ranked seventh at wide
0: receiver. Who goes it, first? It, I love Hopkins. I, I still think that's a little too soon. Just a little,
1: not a lot. Who goes first uh, for you guys between Henry, Jacobs, and Hopkins? Who's the first off the board?
0: I think it's Henry. It's definitely Henry in non-PPR. I think I might have Hopkins ahead of Henry in full PPR. I
2: have it as Hopkins in, in PPR. Okay, and then this is the wackiest
1: one, IMO. Rob Gronkowski is the sixth tight end off the board right now, according to this fantasy football calculator, PPR, ADP. Rob Gronkowski's tight end six. Ah, people love the Gronk.
2: Yeah, but at the same time, you say it's the wackiest one, and and we've talked all offseason about once you get outside those first basically four tight ends, um, you could really rank the next 10, 15, (laughs) like pretty interchangeably. So it's not that wild to me. Like it's just one of those things. He's probably not that separated from the guys immediately behind him.
1: Uh, Yeah, he's not really. You're right. He's 69th overall. Evan Ingram is 73rd. Oh, my God. I Say that again, please. But,
0: <laughs> 69th overall. Yeah, I mean, that's so Gronk, right? That's yeah. what it has to be. Uh, you
1: know what else is funny about that? It's like he's also the ninth pick of the sixth round, which just happens uh-huh. to be 60. So he's 6.9 and he's 69 overall, Rob Gronkowski. Then it's Evan Ingram. Hunter Henry, Tyler Higby, like he's twenty, he's almost twenty spots ahead of Tyler Higby, which I know we're going to talk about uh, mm-hmm. Higby in a little bit. All right, so uh, there's a little bit of just uh, some surprises. Was surprised at just how lucky Heath got when we played poker a couple weeks ago. Uh, I don't think he's going to be playing this week, but that's good. That means uh, that means I might actually win Tuesday night. 7 p.m. Eastern on our Twitch channel, twitch.com slash today. We're going to be playing some more poker, talking some more fantasy football. This is going to be hosted by our friends at Faded Spade. Faded Spade Card Club is a new social poker platform offering free play and custom games. Uh, that's at twitch.com slash today. It was super fun. Uh, a couple weeks ago when we did it. I'm looking forward to getting out there uh, again.
0: It, it might have been fun for you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know what's great about you bowing out so early, though, is that I could just fire fantasy football questions at you and you could answer them and then we could play poker.
0: Yeah, that was swell. That's
1: <laughs> not a bad fallback. Um, there's that. And then I, do, I also wanted to promote one thing on our on our CBSports.com website, non-fantasy. Kind of a cool feature we're doing on CBSports.com slash NFL. I think it's called the Franchise 5. They're looking at mm-hmm. every team and the five best players or coaches like the 49ers, I it's
0: one coach, one quarterback and three players. OK,
1: OK. Yeah. Like the 49ers, Bill Wallace, Joe Montana. And then um, you could probably I don't know if you'd guess the other three, but go ahead and check it out. You could probably guess two of the other three. Um, it's really cool. And I'm going to
2: say Jerry Rice is one of those. Jerry things. Rice is definitely on there. <laughs>
1: uh I, there One of them was a little surprising, I'll say that, for the Niners. And then the Cardinals, like the Arizona Cardinals, you wouldn't even... There was at least one player, probably, I think two or three that I just didn't even know. Because, you know, some guys are like from the 40s and whatnot. But, you know, it's fun, it's cool. Um, check it out, cbssports.com NFL. You guys ready for your news and notes? Okay. There aren't any. What? Yeah, there are none.
0: There's no news and no notes. Do you have any that I missed? Um, I mean, there, there's little things that came out. I think we talked about them last week about the Titans offense and right. and what that might what they might look like. Um I I did read that Jerry Judy is working out with Drew Locke. Mm-hmm. And KJ Hamler had some workouts with Drew Locke. I've been keeping an eye on the Broncos offense. So kind of excited about that.
1: KJ Hamler is like completely forgotten about in fantasy this year, right? There's zero yes. KJ Hambler interest.
0: Correct. Should there be any deeper league? Sure. Best ball for sure. But I I feel like he's going to, he's not like Jerry Judy in that he's, you know, NFL ready. He's got a lot of work to do, but the speed is going to have to be respected. He'll catch one big pass within the first three weeks of the season that'll put him on the radar and that'll really help open things up in Denver.
2: It'll be interesting to see how they use him because um, I remember reading that in, in your red Dave, on the Denver offense, which was really good. I was kind of thinking him of him as more of a slot guy and Sutton is such a downfield option that uh, they might be limiting him underneath and make him a yards after catch kind of guy. I mean, he's a great athlete. He could be used either way, but yes. Um, It'll be interesting because they might run some two tight end sets. They also drafted Albert Okwugbenom, but he is not really NFL, you know, <laughs> thought to be as as NFL ready. He's thought to be a little bit more raw. Mm-hmm. Um, so they might not, you know, he might just be more of a direct backup to to Noah Fant. Um, but yeah, typically the, the tight end and the slot receiver, those are going to be conflicting positions. The Broncos also use a fullback, Andy Jan- Janovich. I or think the, they're going right? to, I
0: um... think the fullback is going to be out. Okay. With the change in offense, I don't think the fullback is going. I don't think Janovich is even there anymore. I think he got oh, traded.
2: Maybe maybe he's gone. There you
0: go. I'll double check that, but I think I think he's gone.
2: So yeah, how much they use a slot, how much they use three receiver yeah. sets will impact KJ Hamlin. But Hamlin was a good prospect, and I think he's a decent yeah a decent yeah. late round 46 Gretsch, pick. in
0: the draft. Would you care to take a guess on what team Andy Janovich is on now, or
2: Janovich? The Patriots.
0: Nope. <laughs> but it'll make sense when I tell you the Browns.
2: That makes sense. They're going to be a
0: team that wants to run a team that definitely has a, a play caller who has a background of using a fullback. Uh, by the way, I think, I, I think that move alone kind of tells you a little bit about the direction of both the Broncos and the Browns.
1: Uh, well, later this week, our Wednesday episode we'll record it Tuesday. Maybe you'll hear it Tuesday night. Um, wide receivers, where do they line up? Wide receiver depth charts, things like that. You know, you need to know who's playing in the slot, who plays outside, who does both. We're going to talk about that on... Uh, we'll record it tomorrow afternoon. Not sure if it'll publish Tuesday night or Wednesday, but that'll be a pretty informative episode. I have another news item, Dave, Ben. Ooh. I have another kid.
0: Yeah. That's why I was out last week. I already knew that, though. That's not news to me.
1: Yeah, it's news to the listeners. I was not on vacation. I was on paternity leave. We have a baby girl. Yeah, hey. daddy. Yeah. Two-year-old. Next next month, we'll have a two-year-old and... uh well, he, we already have him. He'll be two next month. We're not getting him next month
0: at yeah, age two. That would be a late delivery. Yeah.
1: And uh, last,
0: two Fridays ago,
1: we had uh, we had our baby girl. And now, Aww. I basically am the Macaulay Culkin aftershave face all the time. That is life. <laughs> 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 but, <clears throat> but it's great. It's great. It's I, awesome. I have,
0: a, I have a fun story to tell you guys. Oh, all right. Since you guys have daughters. Uh, my son, who's 15 and going on 16, met a lovely lady on Snapchat and uh, went to her house. Had to drop her off at him, off at her house. Her parents were there. Her parents were really nice. And um, it, it, as far as I know, everything went well. But I just thought to myself, just how, and I've got a daughter too. Someday that's going to be me welcoming a guy to see my daughter. And it's not going to be, you know, a friend. They're not going to be just friends. And yeah. uh yeah, it's 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 a little bit. I don't know how I'm going to feel about that. Not sure if I'm going to be cool about that or not. Not as cool as, as these parents were with their daughter.
1: What if she like dates a guy who doesn't like football? How insulting would that be? See ya. <laughs> <laughs> My daughters
2: are nine and four. Adam Adam's just a few days old. I think you know we're, we're probably hoping we could wait a little longer to. To yeah, I know,
0: but it, for you uh, Ben it's going to be at least 5 years for Adam's got a decade plus before anything like right. that happens to him. So enjoy this, enjoy these moments because I'm still enjoying mine but I know that the clock is really ticking. My daughter's almost 13.
1: Yeah. Oh, they grow up so fast. They really do. And now like take
0: a lot of pictures and videos.
1: Picking up the 2-year-old now is like it's like um how a batter puts a donut on his bat when he's in the on bat on the on deck circle. That's what like picking up the new boards like after I pick up my son and then you take the donut off. She is so light and he just looks enormous now. Uh it's but it whatever. I don't want to uh, nobody cares. Um so anyway, I just want to share the news uh and I'm happy you to be care. back.
0: It's
2: exciting.
1: Thank you.
0: I want to know how many cases of Pampers you have in your house.
1: Oh, you don't know us very well, Dave. We have uh, like all natural organic diapers. We're one of those weird families that like doesn't like anything that's not organic. Um, we have a lot of them and we're trying to figure out the right size right now. So we have we have plenty and we also got a gift basket of like English muffins and scones and stuff. and that has been so far the best part of the last week. Thank you for the gift basket to my friends who got it to me. I've been really pigging out. I had a very unhealthy week. All right, so we're detoxing now. We're talking fantasy football. Uh, this is an e- easy email of the day. Fantasy football at CBSi.com comes from AJ from a city west of Chicago. He says... Oh, Dave, city west of Chicago.
0: Des Moines, Iowa.
1: Dear Frank, Buddy, Ron, and Jacobim. I think it's... I think that's how you pronounced it.
0: Is that road trip, Adam?
1: No, it's not. Mm. It's... uh, It's... Will Ferrell characters, Frank yeah. the Tank, Buddy the Elf, Ron Burgundy, and then that's Mugatu's first name from Zoolander. Got it. My league is finally instituting fab instead of waivers this year. Please settle the debate: Is it better to have the winning bid be exact, or the winning bid goes to the highest bidder but they only have to pay one dollar more than the next highest bid? For example, if I bid fifteen bucks for a player and another owner bids thirty, does the other owner pay thirty or sixteen?
2: I've only Ooh. ever played the way that they they bid thirty, and I I think that's probably the more common way and the way to do it. But I wouldn't mind playing the other way. <laughs> I think. That's wait a minute.
0: Wait a minute. You play where if you bid thirty, you get them for thirty. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I I'm the opposite. I the fab leagues that I'm in, it's the highest dollar amount. So let's say I go all in on a player. All right, Ty Johnson's on the waiver wire. I got to get him. I put him <laughs> in a hundred of my hundred budget and the next highest bid is 32. I would win him for 33.
1: Really? That's not how yeah. you do it in our leagues because I know I've no, never I'm pretty sure that's exactly no, how we do it in I've our leagues. Played because I've never bid a... 100 no way. many
0: times and gotten players for less than
1: No, that. no, no. Not in our not in our leagues. No way. I've never ever played in a fab league like that. In fact, I put easy I'm email of the day. Positive, no, no. I put easy email of the day because I thought this was a no-brainer. I thought it's definitely 30. You don't just Bid a hundred and then get the next. I mean, somebody could bid ninety nine and then you're stuck with the person for a hundred. But like, no, you 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 bid thirty, you win them, you pay thirty. Mm, I, I promise you, Dave. That's like how it works. Every single Fab League we're in, everyone is like that. Everyone that you and I are in together. I honestly, I think you're wrong. I know I'm right. I I'm the commissioner of one <laughs> of them.
2: I, that's not how I remember it either because like I remember overbidding on some guys in our leagues last year.
0: And you got them at the exact amount you bid? Yeah. Of course. Well,
1: I, I vote for you get you, what you bid, not a dollar more than the second highest bid. That's what I would say. That's what Ben would say. Dave is
0: not there.
2: I think the dollar more I, thing I, is I, interesting to consider, but not to start probably.
0: I think I think the way that you guys think our leagues is run makes it more interesting and exciting. Because if you overbid <laughs> and you, you go crazy with the bid, I almost think you should also know what all the bids were. Oh yeah, that, that way that's the person that point. overbids and spends a hundred on Ty Johnson should get laughed at for it.
1: Actually, that I did want to bring that up. If you play on CBS, there's a league setting where you can see all of the bids. You know, obviously after the, the player's been won that uh, comes in an email it shows you the bid history so enable that setting and it's ac- that's actually really cool it was a good feature now that we you've added. got
0: me going back and looking through I, there's a specific transaction that I can look at okay. and see good luck <laughs> I'm telling you I'm going to find it and it's when I picked up Gronk in our dynasty league
1: well I'm not in that league
0: But that's a league that's got fab.
1: Yeah, but I told you, the leagues that you and I are in together, they don't work that way. Early ADP values, here we go. The crux of the show. Some of the best values you can find right now based on Fantasy Football Calculator, full PPR, average draft position. Ben, I'm going to let you go first with the quarterback. We'll have Dave's quarterback, and then I'm going to let Shraggy B play Jamie today and reveal Jamie's team. But, Ben, the quarterback that you think is the best value right now is...
2: I have Jared Goff. He's QB 20 over there. Um, if you ask him once want to go with Matthew Stafford, we've talked a lot about him. I just always want to mention, he's my favorite late round guy. If he falls Goff at QB 20 is a really good value at that price. He was, uh, I think QB 11 last year. I, I, like based on, on FF today, he was QB 11 last year, QB six the year before QB 12 the year before that. So a low end QB one, two of the last three years, and then had the really good year in 2018. But we talked about him during the regression week that last, last year, his touchdown regression was, was pretty bad. Um, it, or it, it was kind of regressing from 2018 and it, it kind of over regressed. And so now we expect probably that he will throw more touchdowns in the 22 he threw last year, he threw 28 and 32, the two prior years. Um, and, and the Rams, we know their offense kind of got figured out the the previous year, Super Bowl, their 11 personnel, all those things. Uh, Goff is, you know, I I think he gets kind of a bad rap because people f- don't think he's necessarily that great of a quarterback. He doesn't do well under pressure. He doesn't play on the road. But you got to remember when you're picking Goff, you're not necessarily just picking Goff. You're also investing in Sean McVay, who I, I still think is one of the better offensive minds in the league. Um, And they did kind of figure things out late in the year. He threw for at least 280 yards and multiple touchdowns each of their last five games. I mean, he just really struggled early and specifically in the middle of the year, but late in the year they figured things out and and he was good again um, for five straight games and really consistent. So I I think that's going to hopefully carry over. I, I expect that he will outperform this pretty easily.
1: He was the, yes, as you mentioned, number six quarterback in fantasy in two thousand eighteen and I'm almost positive he was the number two quarterback before Cooper Cup's injury. Um he played seven yeah, there's ga- upside here. The- yeah. He was he was great. Yeah, he, he averaged twenty seven point six fantasy points per game before Cooper Cup got hurt in two thousand eighteen. And then the Rams really haven't been the same since Cup got hurt that year, since Gurley got hurt, really. I my question hit like you can make a lot of statistical arguments for Goff, and I think QB 20 for Goff. I mean, it's a great call. But is he a quarterback whose offensive line matters maybe more than any other quarterback? As you mentioned, I mean, the rap on him is he's so good when, they're, when the pocket is clean, but he really struggles under pressure. So is that going to kind of supersede any other type of argument for Goff?
2: It should, yeah. And I think... Um that's part of why I bring up the last five weeks. They they started using the tight ends more. They started using multiple tight ends more, um, and I think they they are intending to to go that way this year. They let Brandon Cook, they traded Brandon Cooks, and and yes, they drafted Van Jefferson and they have Josh Reynolds. But I don't think we're going to see as much eleven personnel out of them. I think we're going to see a lot of Cooper Cup and Robert Woods, and then Higby and Gerald Everett, and bringing in extra protection uh, protection to try to to help golf. And, and change things a little bit in a way that should be helpful. But um, the, the upside point you made in 2018, another point I want to make on him. I think a reason he goes so low is people, we're all really excited about running quarterbacks, especially after what Lamar Jackson did last year and it's it's important. It's clear that that's where the the extreme upside is. I do think there's a little bit of an overcorrection there. I mean, there's guys that are uh, runners that are going incredibly high now. That we kind of say, yeah, they have that upside and they do, but they might not necessarily be just because they're good runners doesn't mean that they're going to be elite fantasy quarterbacks. And then there's guys like Goff, who is going so late in part because he gives you nothing as a running uh, on the running side. But he's still like there are still quarterbacks who don't run, who have really high upside, which you noted he did early in 2018. It's still there. Yeah.
1: And I've, I've talked a lot about this stat, that there were only three quarterbacks who finished top 12 last year in six-point-per-passing touchdown leagues with less than 200 rushing yards, and none of them finished top six. However, you go back to 2018, there were eight quarterbacks who finished top 12 who had less than 200, 200 rushing yards, including four of the top six. Matt Ryan, Ben Roethlisberger, Andrew Luck, Jared Goff, they were QBs two, three, four, and 6. Drew Brees was 8. Rodgers was 9. Or he had 269. Philip Rivers was QB 10. He had 7 rushing yards. Kirk Cousins and Tom Brady, they were top 12 quarterbacks. So last year was the year for the rushing quarterback, but 2018 was the year for the pocket passer. So you don't want to completely overlook those guys. We'll come back to Jared Goff. I'll ask you some more questions about him uh, at the end of our little quarterback spiel. Dave, who's your quarterback, your best value right now?
0: I thought that Dak Prescott in round six was pretty um, appealing. I think about how quarterbacks are going to go in typical drafts, not necessarily our drafts. And I think if you can get Dak Prescott, then that's extremely good value. I think it's still good value in our drafts. We all view him as a top three to four fantasy quarterback going into the year. We love his weapons. We love his offense. We love his offensive line. We love his ability to run the ball. And I believe that there's really uh, a good chance for him to match what he did last year. And I know that sounds crazy, but I think that is possible now uh, that CeeDee Lamb's there. They kept the offensive coordinator, Kellen Moore. Mike McCarthy will have his influence. I know there's a change at center. I'm I'm not really too worried about that. He's got a lot of things going for him that Jared Goff doesn't have going for him. And to get him six rounds earlier than Goff, I think it's going to be worth it. I think he's got a chance to be really strong and how about this is there excuse me is there potential for him to be the number one quarterback in fantasy now uh, you might say no there's no way but if really it'll come down to injury more than anything else for Mahomes, and with jackson if there's some serious regression doors open uh, you might say there's a 10 percent chance and, and you might even say that somebody like deshaun watson or russell wilson or even kyler murray has a better chance to be qb1 but I think he does have a little bit of that chance. And I think there's a really good chance he finishes top three to five. And so at round six, that's that's an excellent value. Ben,
1: Prescott, he he had a career year. He threw um, for about a, more than 1,000 more yards than he ever had. And he had seven more passing touchdowns than ever before. But he also threw the ball more, like a lot more than ever. His touchdown rate was 5%. It's in his other three seasons, it was 5%, 4.5%, 4.2%. So, does he, I mean, it doesn't seem like that was unsustainable. It doesn't seem like he's a huge regression candidate there, right? 5%. Yep.
2: I agree. Yeah, okay. no, I, I think that's correct. I, I think, uh, you know, he started throwing the ball downfield a lot more last year as well and the offensive coordinator change mattered and and I think he'll continue to do that with Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup both having good years last year and, and clearly being his top two receivers. I mean, you think back to before 2018 you know he didn't even have amari Cooper and they, they got a midseason um, last year was really the, the first year where he had these two downfield weapons and a new offensive coordinator and they, and they had a different type of offense more vertical offense and now he had CD lamb and yeah I think there's a plenty of upside for him to to carry a, a solid TD rate and solid yards per attempt because he's he's being more vertical with his passing
1: and then last thing I'll say about Dak, he had the sixth most pass attempts in the NFL but only 15th most in the red zone and 27th most pass attempts inside the 10 yard line. He's never had a lot of those, but it was really low last year and hope maybe, maybe they'll let him throw a little bit more near the goal line. And maybe he could have one of those outlier touchdowns. They might,
0: they might be enticed to do so now with the receivers that they have.
1: Maybe. Uh, So you have
0: fairness. Part of that's because he runs in that area too. Like he
2: can, Mean rack up some Russian touches. He does. It's not and, just Zeke.
1: And Zeke is going to get his work there, too. How, so the quick question is just going to be, how do you rank Dak, Kyler, Wilson, Watson? Uh, according to this ADP, it's Kyler, Dak, Wilson, Watson. How do you guys rank those four?
0: Dak is my favorite of the group. Me,
2: too. I have Dak, Wilson, Kyler, Watson.
0: That's my order as well. Um, but in the next week or two I may flip Kyler and Watson depending on what I learn about the Texans offense
1: and uh, fake Jamie who's your favorite quarterback value right now
0: well it's
2: actually my favorite quarterback too it's Daniel Jones in the 11th round
1: 17th quarterback off the board Daniel Jones and his 23 fumble pace Uh, 11th round 17th quarterback so guys golfer Daniel Jones who would you rather have
0: jones for the upside yeah i have jones higher as well really okay
2: just by one spot but um we talked we've talked about how he had a couple upside passing games and, and showed that kind of ceiling we've talked about how and it's i think very well documented how how injured the giants receiving core was last year uh but jones does that a little bit as a rusher as well you know you talked about that 200 yard benchmark he only played 13 games last year he went over well over that. He had 279 rushing yards. He's He's got a little mobility. He'll give you 20 rushing yards most weeks, which is helpful. It's helpful for the floor. It's helpful for the ceiling.
1: All right, we're going to take a look at our favorite running back values after this quick break on fantasy football today. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. Before we get into running backs, Dave has solved the mystery of the free agent acquisition budget, also known as FAB.
0: Yeah, I can confidently say that it's exactly what I thought it was, that when you bid, whatever the highest bid is, is who gets it. It's not going to be a dollar more than the second highest bid. It's going to be, for example, if you bid 30 and somebody else bids 13, you get them for 30. Period. Uh, End of story. You're welcome.
1: What? Okay, I can't tell if you're being if you're joking or if you were confused earlier because that's exactly what we said, not what you said.
0: No, I said it's it's for thir- you know, whoever the highest bid gets in and it's not based on anybody else's bid. You were talking about, "Oh, it's the next dollar." No, I didn't say <laughs> <laughs> Ben and I were on the same oh, page. I don't okay, know what okay. you're doing. I, I remember I get on the on gag so now. I get the yeah, gag. It was a very
1: convincing performance, Dave, very convincing. Uh Dave likes a couple of rookie running backs late as his favorite values right now.
0: Zach Moss in round eleven, and I'm falling in love with Antonio Gibson. Oh, in round twelve. Yeah, I mean we're. I think we're going to go to Applebee's later. <laughs> last time we, I went uh, to Applebee's, I was surprised. It was pretty good. You know they've got that quesadilla burger thing. I don't know if they still have it. They had it last time I was there. It might have been ten years ago. I don't know, but it was good. I enjoyed it. Yes, yeah, so uh, and you know they've got the boneless wings as well. Zach Moss is replacing Frank Gore. I, Is it a stretch to say that he could be a lot better than Frank Gore? Bills keep talking him up like they want him to be, you know, half literally half the engine of their run offense. Could we get to a point in August in non-PPR leagues where he goes ahead of Devin Singletary? I think the answer is maybe. And he's, he's not a burner, but he's physical. He can create yards by juking and running through tacklers similar to Devin Singletary. And my guess is he's going to get that short yardage role. And I I said it in last week's podcast. there There were a number of times last year where Gore would get a goal line opportunity. He would struggle. And then Josh Allen would clean it up and he would score a touchdown. I think Moss can score on those touchdowns. I think he can find the end zone there. And so finding a running back that could get a dozen touches a week right off the bat in round 11 is good. And I don't know if Gibson's ever going to get a dozen touches in a game, but he's going to get a lot of catches. And every time Scott Turner talked about being creative or versatile with the with the new Washington offense, he mentioned Gibson. And he even talked about Gibson and his ability as a receiver. So they're going to get creative with him. And you think about all the other wideouts that they have outside of McLaurin. Maybe it's Steven Sims. Maybe it's Kelvin Harmon. Maybe Gandy Golden takes a step. I wonder if Gibson is good enough to contribute as a mismatch type of player in that offense on a more regular basis than we gave him credit for when they drafted him.
1: Would you rather have Darius Geis in round seven or Gibson around twelve?
0: Gibson in round twelve, hands down. I, I'm Geis. I'm done with Geis. I can't. I don't see a path for him to have a huge week in, week out type of uh, touch count.
1: Uh, how about you, Ben?
2: Guys, guys, for me. Okay. I mean, I, I understand Dave's frustration, but I think if he's healthy, he was the number considered pretty universally in dynasty circles the number two prospect in that class. And yes, he's been hurt both the last two years. But let's say he is healthy. I, I don't see why not. Why, why not? He can't be you know a third year breakout that we we realize is really good. And he looked good when he played last year. He had that. I think it was like a ten carry, hundred yard, two touchdown game.
0: Yep, that was one amazing game that he had.
2: Yep, I mean, he's barely played, but you
0: know. Yeah, I know. I wish he's he had more of those games was, to help It Sway was also me, against Carolina. I, I think there's a, I think there's a lot of running backs in Washington for a reason. I bet that they're, they're going to be hesitant to give a lot of work every week to Geis.
1: I yeah, I know. Look, he tore up Carolina, but also in that game, Adrian Peterson had 13 carries for 99 yards and a touchdown. If we recall, at that point, Carolina had like three defensive tackles who were out they were the worst run. Them and the Jaguars, they were just the worst run defenses. So Geis, yeah, 10 carries, 129 yards, two touchdowns. That's good anyway you slice it. He followed it up the next week with five carries for 42 yards. That was against Green Bay. Uh, they had a terrible run defense. He got hurt in that game, but he was off to a good start. Um, and then you still have Peterson there as well. All right, so Dave says Gibson and Moss. Ben, who are your favorite running back values right now?
2: So I think this is a hard question. I think running back's a, a difficult position to, to talk about in terms of the value and it's funny like this entire episode I could just go off on on a completely different tangent and, and do my typical where I'm like this is what what is value because when I looked at running back 80 this running back ADP against my ranks the two guys that were the furthest higher in my ranks were Tariq Cohn and Naheem Hines but they might be values compared to their ADP but they also lack upside and there's a reason, you know, and it's just kind of a philosophical thing about where do you rank this player because certain ways that you're building your roster, you might want to take a a higher floor contributor that doesn't have a huge ceiling and in other ways you might be swinging for the fences. Um, So it's it's challenging, but I, I figured I'd package two guys in that I think are both undervalued, which is Jonathan Taylor and Naheem Hines. Taylor at 408, I think a lot of people think is probably overvalued. Um, I, he's a phenomenal prospect, and I think there's a, a couple things that are really working in his favor with the Colts. Their offensive line, I think they're going to be improved. I think they're going to lead. I think they're going to run a lot. So I think it's a really good situation for Taylor, and he's going to have a good rookie year. And I, I see a lot of ways that he beats that far away at ADP. Maybe not from week one, but uh, especially later in the season when you know when fantasy leagues are being decided. And then Hines wraps in here with Taylor. The thing that everyone is saying about Taylor is he can't catch passes. I think with pretty much any data that we look at, you kind of have to decide what you believe in and what you don't believe in. I believe that Phillip Rivers dramatically impacts his running backs receiving numbers. I think that is because of how he plays. We've talked about how mobile quarterbacks don't throw to running backs as much because instead of checking down, they scramble. Phillip Rivers is completely immobile. He's also, for all his faults, very good at getting through his reads and getting to the outlet pass. He's always been good at that guys like Danny Woodhead guys like Mike Tolbert years and years ago have always had good receiving numbers but Melvin Gordon's the one I want to highlight alongside Taylor another Wisconsin back Gordon had about half as many receptions as Taylor in college was completely unused in the passing game people thought he could not catch the ball he always had solid receiving numbers alongside guys like Austin Eckler and earlier Danny Woodhead uh I just think the Colts running backs as a whole right now are undervalued relative to their receiving upside in PPR leagues. Taylor, I understand, wasn't a great receiving back in college. I think he's in a position where he's going to at least play on some passing downs and Rivers will check the ball down to him. I think he catches at least probably 30 balls. If you go look at Melvin Gordon's history, he caught 30, 40 usually in almost every year. Again, I know Max there. I don't like Marlon Mack nearly as much. I think Taylor and Hines both have plenty of receiving upside.
1: Would you guys rather have Jonathan Taylor late round four or Marlon Mack about the seven eight turn?
0: We'll have to have that. I have to pick one. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know if I'd really feel good about either one. I don't. I don't. I, I think there's a different story being told when we see Jonathan Taylor going in the fourth round. Let's so, pick one to answer please. your question uh, to answer your question i think i'll say mac just because i think it's way too soon for taylor in round four okay but the story the story that i see is that running backs are gonna fly off the board like crazy and we're starting to see it in some ffpc drafts and, and in this adp 17 of the first 27 players are running backs and uh i get it because once you get past the first 14 15 16 running backs there's guys with question marks, and there's no doubt that Taylor is one of those guys who has question marks, and people are still going to go after him, um, you know, maybe in regular drafts by the time we get to August, if his situation hasn't changed for the better, it could be a round five pick, maybe round six, maybe. But people are, are going to gobble up running backs. The first round is going to be dominated by them, and I'm starting to think that the second and third rounds are going to be they're going to have plenty of running backs as well. And I almost want to start trying to begin my drafts in our mocks with three running backs, no matter what, you know, the Vontae Mack, no matter what type of, of uh, strategy with running backs, just take three right off the bat, make up ground on receivers. And, and there are some sleeper running backs later that I can grab. That's what I'm seeing with the ADP because I, I there was something Ben said at the very beginning of when he talked is that ADP is, you know really hard to talk about with running backs cuz early on there aren't a lot of great values. And as for Taylor himself, there's just he's got every possible outcome in the book. I mean, he he could end up struggling in training camp with, you know, no offseason program, fumbles in the preseason and you barely see him until mid-October. Or he comes in, he shows right away how talented he is. Marlon Mack, you know, strains a hamstring, He's out for three games. Jonathan Taylor takes off and he catches a bunch of passes along the way. There's evidence of him being a good pass catcher at Wisconsin. They just didn't throw to him a lot. And you, and Ben laid it out. Rivers throws to his running backs. That checkdown is there for him a lot. So he's he's a big. I think he's a kind of a big risk in round four. I don't love that value for Jonathan Taylor at this point. But.
2: The point you made about running backs going early, and I completely agree with it, especially on this ADP we're looking at from Facebook calculator because I didn't find a lot of values in my ranks based on where they were going. Um, Does it change your mind if I tell you he goes 408, one spot behind Raheem Mostert on, on this ADP? I
0: mean, that's just another example of how ridiculous the running backs are flying off the board. I don't think any of us would take Mostert in round four, even Adam who loves Mostert.
1: Yeah, I love but, Mostert. But, yeah, I, I do my, like him, but no, that's insane. I would yeah. not take him. This is PPR. This is full PPR. And 17 of the first 27 picks are running backs. You're right. That is a that is a really interesting trend. And yeah, Raheem Mostert four pick round four pick seven. That's crazy. I just I want to move it along. Let's get to the wide receiver. Oh no, we got bogus Jamie. Bogus Jamie. Who are your favorite running backs?
2: Matt Breida in the eighth round, Naheem Hines in the 14th, and then Darrington Evans and Josh Kelly from the Chargers, who are undrafted, also favorites for Jamie. So he's got two rookies, Matt Breida and Naheem Hines. Okay, Breida well, almost Hines showed up on my list. Mine too. Yep. Yeah, I think he makes a lot of sense too.
1: Mm-hmm. And yeah, Breida and Howard
0: were both round eight. They both have round eight ADP. I think Josh Brita Kelly first, Howard second.
1: We we don't talk about him a lot, but yeah, I mean, is, is there uh, 150 carries for Kelly, or is that too much?
0: There's going Mark to have County? to be an injury to Justin Jackson for him to get there. Okay.
2: Uh, yeah, I think I, I like him. I think he's a good value. I think Jamie's right to to take him late, but I agree with with Dave. We I, I, I the problem again. This is another reason why running backs tough right now. We don't know what depth charts are like. It make it's a lot easier to to signal out good late round running back targets once we hear a little bit about training camp and, and hopefully we get information. Um this year and things might be a little bit different, but we want to know whether Justin Jackson, whether we get any indication about Justin Jackson, Joshua Kelly, and their roles and their order behind Eckler.
1: And that brings us to wide receivers, guys. And Ben, I'll start with you. Your favorite wide receiver values right now. You and Dave both have DJ Moore. And I look, I know we talk about DJ Moore a lot. We do not have AJ Brown on the show today, but we do have DJ Moore. And <laughs> Deservedly so. Uh, I can't believe he's going around four. What is going on there?
2: It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> it doesn't. Um, I, so, like the part of the argument for Taylor would be like there's possibilities where he could be a first round pick, and and you know there's a lot of value there. There's guys like Mostert can't be there. For more, any outcome I can imagine, he beats this. Like I I, I need to say that like as clearly as possible. There's no way he doesn't beat this unless he gets injured um or like just like maybe he's a little bit behind it but last year like people don't realize how good he was he missed um the last game and essentially the whole of week 16 because he had a calf injury after six snaps in week 16 left the game didn't come back they held about week 17 it was a lost season through 14 games he was pacing for 152 targets 152 targets 98 catches 1342 yards it's like almost identical to Michael Thomas's second season. Uh, I actually have the numbers right here. He had 9.5 targets per game. Michael Thomas that year had 9.3, 6.1 catches. Thomas had 6.5. He's always had a really good catch rate, Michael Thomas. So he was a little bit higher on the receptions, but Moore's more explosive. He had 83.9 yards per game. Thomas only had 77.8. They both, both averaged 0.3 touchdowns. Yes, his touchdowns haven't been great, but he scored, um, I think it's 17 touchdowns in college, receiving touchdowns. On just about the same amount of receptions as he has through his pro career to this point, and he only has six touchdowns in in the pros right now. I don't think that's fundamentally something he's not capable of doing. I think there's just as much of a chance that he scores ten touchdowns this year as he scores four again, like he did last year. But the the key point that I think we have to talk about is he was still very young last year. He played with a bad quarterback, like you mentioned. I just compared him to Thomas the second season. Moore was twenty-two in his second season. Thomas was twenty-four and playing with Drew Brees. And Moore's second season almost identical on a per-game basis if you recognize that he didn't really play
0: in League 16. Can I add one last thing? Yeah. Moore is a fantastic fit for the new offense in Carolina, as is Bridgewater, where it's going to be a lot of scheming receivers open, a lot of four and five receiver formations. Figure McCaffrey is one of those receivers, by the way. And Moore can make plays after the catch. And we we, we said it during the season last year. It was kind of funny. We thought Curtis Samuel was the deep ball guy. And he got a lot of deep opportunities in Carolina, but it was DJ Moore who scored more deep touchdowns and a lot of catch and run touchdowns, not a lot, but more than, more than Curtis Samuel. So he can, he can do it all. He should still get a lot of targets. I don't know if he can get to 150, but he'll pass 120 easily. And in PPR, this is an insane value. It's, it's almost a good value in non PPR. It it is a good value in non PPR. I saw a
2: projection the other day. The non
0: PPR. I'm saying.
2: Yeah. Somebody had him at like 125 targets. Like let's just, he had 133 last year in 14 through 14 games. Like Mm -hmm. if you're projecting him in 16 games to have fewer targets, I need to understand why, because this is still going to be a team that's trailing. They're still going to throw Bridgewater throws underneath. He has a low average depth of target and he's accurate underneath. We talked about completion percentage over expectation on the advanced stats show last week. He's good even when you adjust for the fact, he's accurate even when you adjust for the fact that he throws shorter, more catchable passes. He's a, Bridgewater's a perfect fit for what Moore does well on top of all of this. And it's not like, you know, like people are worried about McCaffrey. It's not like McCaffrey didn't catch a lot of passes last year, too. He did.
1: Well, so Robbie Anderson. Are, Robbie how Anderson's is there. We're not
2: going to get to 130, 140 targets again? I don't understand. 125
1: is low, but but Robbie Anderson is is there. And if, if that's what people are concerned about, I don't know. But that's the only addition you know, that maybe comes to mind. There were people are, are lowering the targets, but that like that just doesn't make any sense unless their defense is better, which it, you know, it's not going to be good. Uh, no, it's going to be
0: young. Yeah, I, I wonder okay. if people discount more because of Bridgewater and they think that Bridgewater isn't any good.
1: It, that's but possible. Look, just,
0: I, I'm telling you, you're just not paying attention if, if you think that Bridgewater can't do what's going to be asked of this offense. Well, there, yeah,
1: there there's that, but he doesn't have A track record of putting up gaudy numbers you know so you just like take his six starts with the saints he had 103.7 passer rating five starts pardon me he was on pace though for 3,856 yards which is less than what Kyle Allen had or less than what the Panthers quarterbacks had uh by like 250 yards he was on pace for 29 touchdowns though but look I'm playing devil's advocate here, but that's just like Bridgewater's not gonna put up big numbers, most likely. Although if they're second in the NFL in pass attempts, <laughs> you never know. All right, uh, who else? Ben um, DJ Moore was one of them. Who's your other quarter uh, wide receiver value?
2: Uh, Christian Kirk. He's another guy. We we talk about him a little bit, but not a ton. He's another guy who had really good production in college. Age-adjusted production was young early declare and came out and was good in his rookie season uh, in terms of yards per target and all those types of efficiency metrics. He wasn't as good last year, but he did rack up over a hundred targets and missed a little bit of time as well. Yes. DeAndre Hopkins is going to be there. I expect Arizona is going to throw more and run more plays. We've talked about their pace a little bit in recent shows. Um, I don't think Larry Fitzgerald is going to be a, you know, a huge part of the offense and particularly I think Fitzgerald is going to be sort of in the, the shallower area of the field, which we would expect. And, DeAndre Hopkins is more of like an intermediate range receiver than a deep threat. He can obviously work down the field. But I think Christian Kirk will be able to make some plays down the field. He wasn't efficient last year. The big reason he wasn't last year is his uh, downfield efficiency, his downfield catch rate at any depths over 15 yards essentially was really, really poor last year. It was really good in his rookie season the year before. And so for the two years in his career so far, he's basically league average. And that's just one of those things that can fluctuate I think Kirk's in a really good spot though now where defensive attention is going to be on Hopkins. He has the potential to kind of be the Will Fuller. He's not obviously quite as much of a burner as Fuller, but um, a really good player with a strong profile and a young player who uh, I just don't understand why he goes in the double-digit rounds.
1: 44th wide receiver off the board, 10th round pick right now, Christian Kirk. And the guys going around him, there are a lot of interesting names, but Jerry Judy, Henry Ruggs, CeeDee Lamb, Justin Jefferson, Jalen Rager... So you've got the you know most of the round one wide receivers. Where does Kirk measure up with those guys? What round one wide receivers? I mean NFL draft. Uh, where does Kirk measure up with those guys in your mind?
2: I have Kirk over all of them, and I like a lot of them. I have uh, Ceedee Lamb two spots behind Kirk, um, but and, and Judy four spots behind him. But I have Kirk over all of them.
1: Dave, you had DJ Moore as one of your best values. Also, getting Tyler Lockett in the fifth round, you like that. And he was, I want to say he was top, uh, he was top five, I'm almost positive, before his injury.
0: Uh, he's uh, he had more PPR fantasy five. points than every receiver except for Michael Thomas and Mike Evans. Before his injury? The first nine weeks of the season. Wow. He was averaging eight targets per game. He had an 82% catch rate, <laughs> 10.65 yards per target. His 16 game pace before the injury was. 105 catches, 1,364 yards, and 11 touchdowns. That would have been good enough to finish as the number two receiver in fantasy. And I think Seattle's going to continue to um, evolve offensively. Um, I'm, I'm kind of digging DK Metcalf the more and more that I I, I watch him and I dig up on him, but I think that that just makes it easier for Lockett to take advantage of coverage. Defenses are going to have their hands full with this offense, especially when you consider that Russ can escape pressure, mobilize, and I think the synergy that he has with Lockett gives Lockett an edge over Metcalf. But I think both of these receivers have a chance to have a really nice year.
1: I'm going to read some of the names that are going ahead of Tyler Lockett, and you tell me who who should be going ahead of him and who's you know incorrectly ahead of him. DK Metcalf.
0: No. Lockett should be ahead of him. Corlin Sutton. Lockett should be ahead of Sutton.
1: T.Y. Hilton.
0: Lockett should be ahead of Hilton. Robert Woods. Lockett should
2: be ahead of Woods. A.J. Brown. A.J. Brown should definitely be ahead. Woods and Woods and Brown <laughs> are the ones that I feel most confident on.
0: I was agreeing with Dave through those points. Um, I'm taking Lockett over Brown. Sorry. Okay. Sorry, cool. A.J. Gretch.
1: All right. Uh, fake, uh, fake Jamie, what do you got? Who are your favorite wide receiver values?
2: Jamie's got Anthony Miller in the 12th round, Sterling Shepard in the 11th, and I'll throw in Golden Tate in the thirteenth on top of Shepard. Those Giants Shepard almost made
0: my list. Too late for the Giants' weapons.
1: I can't figure out Sterling Shepard. This guy, over his last two game, two seasons, he has had a lot of bad games. He played ten games last year, six games with less than fifty yards. Uh, in two thousand eighteen, he played sixteen games. He had ten games with less than fifty yards. He's uh, he's a strange. Player, still young, always deals with injuries. And what's interesting about him is when he's had shortened seasons, he's had good seasons. He's had like, oh, he's on pace for a really good year. When he's played 16 games, not really as good, although one of those years was his rookie year. So why did Shepard almost make your list, Dave?
0: Because he averages right around 13 PPR points per game. He's a good bench receiver in PPR. And I think that if if the Giants offense plays from behind as much as we think they will. Uh, I think he can get a lot of inside of 15-yard types of targets. And I think he can accumulate good numbers. You might put him under the compiler label, where he'll continue to see a decent amount of targets week in and week out. I don't think Darius Slayton is suddenly going to turn into a eight or nine-target-per-game wide receiver. I think he'll fall below that. I think Shepard is a little bit more in line with that. I'm hoping he can stay healthy and take advantage of eight targets per week. Maybe seven targets per week, somewhere in that range, and he can be helpful as a um, a crappier version of DJ Moore.
1: <laughs> How would you guys rank the three players that Jamie mentioned: Sterling Shepard, Anthony Miller, and Golden Tate?
0: I'm going to take Shepard first in PPR. I'm I'm buying into the the the, the consistency and the low ceiling as a bench wide receiver goes in PPR. I would take him. Miller would be second.
2: I think I'll take Miller slightly over Shepard just because I think he has a little easier path to potentially being uh, like the clear number two on this team. Uh, And Shepard theoretically has a better path to being a number one, but I just think there's the giants are going to spread targets around. They have a lot of weapons.
1: We go to the tight ends now, and we have definitely covered a lot of these guys in previous shows, including last week. So let's start with Ben's favorite tight end. And I think we kind of agreed we're going to do tight ends kind of quickly just because it's, you know, just it's kind of the same names that have come up in in recent episodes. Um, Mike Kosicki, 12th round. Sum it up. What do you like about Mike Kosicki?
2: Yeah, just good, good athleticism, good prospect profile at Penn State. Uh, Second round pick. We we typically see tight ends break out after a couple of years. He's going into his third year. Um, This guy's, you know, the type of player that you would expect to break out in, the, in his third season. And he got a lot of really solid downfield opportunity last year and played in the slot a bunch. And He's a receiving a receiving tight end that ha- wasn't very efficient but has definitely upside.
1: All right, I'm going to read you some names that are going ahead of Mike Kasicki. Tell me if you would take Gacicchi over any of these guys. Noah Fant. I would take sick. Austin Hooper.
2: I'd take Gacicchi on that.
1: Schrager, you wow. ever seen Jaws? Yes. Oh, good. Okay. Uh, Mike Gasicki or Jared Cook?
2: Gasicki by nine tight ends.
1: (laughs) Finally, Hayden Hurst.
2: I have him one spot ahead of Gasicki.
1: All right. Hurst it is. And Dave, Tyler Higby, round eight.
0: Yeah, good value on a tight end that has a chance to be the next George Kittle. You saw it in the final five games last season. Those were some good games for Jared Goff, by the way, and That's something that I think Sean McVay is going to carry with him into 2020 is lean on the tight end a little bit more. Higby's a a quicker than fast type of tight end who can make plays after the catch, and he's a big old boy in the red zone. So don't see him falling out of favor and suddenly becoming a sixth offensive lineman in L.A. or anything like that. Don't see Gerald Everett coming in and taking a lot of work away from him. I think he's earned his spot. And uh, I think he's he's a pretty good athletic tight end who can be really helpful for fantasy.
1: Last five games, he scored twenty three more fantasy points than Travis Kelsey. He was the number one tight end in fantasy. He also Tyler Higby became the first tight end in the Super Bowl era with four straight games with seven catches and one hundred yards. Four straight, first time that's ever. I don't think happened.
0: he's going to do that every week.
1: Probably not.
0: His competition that, was pretty. I, I think damn he's easy. the fifth best tight end you can draft this year.
1: Yeah, he 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 faced teams that rank 32nd, 31st, 26th, 6th, and 32nd against tight ends. Um, But still really, really impressive stuff. All right, we got time for a few emails here. Let's get started with one from who's this? Kyle! Somewhere between Dallas and San Antonio. Dave, you know everything about Texas geography.
0: Of course I do. Somewhere between Dallas and San Antonio you say. Mm -hmm. Let's go with killing Texas.
1: I know you enjoy a good laugh when talking about Josh Allen's accuracy on deep balls, but what is the ceiling for him if that number drastically improves now that he has a weapon? Looking at these next-gen stats, and he gave us a link to Bill's QB watch on Twitter, um, and some next-gen stats there, it's clear that John Brown was Allen's only legitimate deep threat, and he was not going to win any jump balls either. Diggs comes in number one in all deep ball categories, so why shouldn't we factor in some improvements. Josh Allen has improved as a passer every year and now gets a true number one. Add that to his rushing ability. He has top six potential.
2: I couldn't agree more with the Stephon Diggs love. People don't realize how good Stephon Diggs is full stop period at all aspects of the receiver position. I and mean, he's just really good.
0: Mm-hmm. Can he really catch good? a football that's three yards over his head?
2: <laughs> right. So the other issue is. Josh Allen, if, this is one where I'm absolutely going to say watch the tape. He He's not putting balls that are jump balls or are difficult for guys to catch. Um, he is sometimes, right? But his inaccuracy sometimes is literally like you can go back and watch some of John Brown's film. John Brown being five yards behind the defender and Josh Allen throwing it seven yards beyond John Brown. <laughs> like That's literally it. <laughs> Stephon Diggs can't do that. He can't do anything with that. No one can do anything
1: with that. Yeah, the stat, though, that this this Bills QB watch tweeted was per next-gen stats, Stephon Diggs was first in catch rate, yards per target, and touchdowns on balls that were thrown 20 or twenty or more yards in the air last year. So that's hopefully going to help Josh Allen. Um, I know you guys talked a lot about him on the Bold Prediction show. I, I mean, I love Dave's point about the rushing touchdowns and the Frank Gore ineptitude. And he's a tough one. It's like, gosh, he's such a bad passer sometimes, but he still has managed to be good in fantasy. So I, I understand there's going to yeah, be a lot.
2: he's my QB7. I don't disagree with the, the the emailer. I just don't think we can expect Diggs to make Josh Allen an effective passer. Hopefully right. he's average.
1: Okay, uh, this is from Tim in Lone Tree, Colorado. Dear Lee, Casey, Jamie, and Beth. Huh.
0: I don't know. Eisenbergs.
1: Uh, hey,
0: <laughs> everybody uh, knows who Casey Eisenberg is. Yeah,
1: Beth Eisenberg. Sure. On the recent regression episode, I was astonished that, if given the opportunity to draft Mostert or Geis, the group quickly and unanimous, unanimously proclaimed they would prefer Geis of the two. Is that
0: true? I I would take Mostert.
1: Okay, uh, seeing as how the Niners traded for Trent Williams and the Redskins also drafted Antonio Gibson, I wouldn't even put Geis in the same tier as Raheem. Get out of my way, Mostert. What do you guys think?
2: I, think I agree. Email. Yeah, I think it's a good email. I definitely was one of the people that said Geis. I'm immediately thinking of upside, and I talked about the reasons for upside for Geis. And I'm worried that Mostert's not going to be their lead back all year. They're going to use a committee. I think Tevin Coleman almost cracked my biggest values at running back list as well. Um, but I, I still think it's a good email. I think you probably should take Mostert ahead of Geis.
1: I think this is uh, this greeting is from the show Kevin Costner show that Western Yellowstone Okay uh, Let's see if I have time for one more here Why not right I don't There's not like I have a baby to go watch From Matt Hey Tony, Silvio, Paulie, and Uncle Junior
0: That's the Sopranos Sopranos
1: Never seen it In the midst of a Dynasty startup draft I'm picking 1.6 I know that two of Michael Thomas, Ezekiel Elliott, Dalvin Cook Will be available at my pick So it's Dynasty Startup, and he'll have his choice of Michael Thomas, Zeke, and Dalvin Cook, at least two of them. Another owner just offered me all of his 2021 and 22 rookie draft picks for pick (laughs) 1.6. All of the rookie draft picks in 2021 and 2022 for for the sixth pick of this Dynasty Startup. It's a long-term upside worth passing up on a likely building block for my short-term and long-term hopes
0: theoretically the team that would be getting 1.6 and then would also have another first round pick they would be in good shape heading into 2021 and 2022 so those rookie picks could be in the back half of the first round and every round
2: yeah just just from Um, a valuation standpoint that's not enough for the 1.6
0: isn't it crazy isn't it crazy though because you think about it on the surface and you think oh wow I've got a chance to get all these rookies and this great draft class, and I can maneuver and, and move up in the draft, and I've got all this extra draft capital. I might do it if the only guy. Well, I don't think but I. That's can even do that's it a great point, Dave.
1: You can probably get one point one next year. You know, you could probably get well. Any you might pick get one point
0: one next year because you're going to be playing this year without a first round. You pick on your
1: you team. could you could figure out you could take all those picks and and uh, package them for like two of the first four picks in the draft, in the rookie draft next year. And maybe that's enough to give up Michael Thomas or Ezekiel Dalvin Cook.
2: I think if you do this, you're doing what Dave said. You're not being competitive in year one. And I think this is a fine way to approach a startup. It's an interesting thing. I see some really smart people do, but I would immediately then put my second round pick on the block and and try to move back and pick up somebody's 2021 first who's trying to move up from the third or the fourth round. A lot of times people just move up one or two rounds and those early rounds will give you their 2021 first start stockpiling. I was in a startup draft this year where another guy in our league ended up with like nine of the 2021 first round picks. Okay. Now <laughs> wow. you've, you've given yourself an opportunity to really build a dynasty, but you got to commit full board. To it. That's the only way I would do this trick.
1: All right. Uh, thank that's going to do it. Thank you guys. Good to be back. Dave. Thank you. Great to speak to you. Same. back <laughs> yeah, I'm convinced. Ben Gretsch, good to speak to you.
2: You too, buddy. Good talking to you.
1: Fake Jamie, thanks for coming on. Got to go by. <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice touch. And I'm Adam saying no nah, na 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 na